So I had a really good experience in church last Sunday morning. Uh, AD gave a message, a central part of which was participating in three prayer practices. And I was just engaged with them. I was attuned and attentive. My mind was not cluttered. I was not distracted. And so I was able to kind of go all in. I was attentive to the people around me um, in a way that I found to be unusual. You know, again, I didn't have the press of busyness or of dissatisfaction or of other things cluttering my mind. The thing is, it didn't have to be that way. And I want to share with you this morning why I was in such a good state of mind last Sunday morning entering into the service, hoping that it might help you. So a part of the reason that I was at ease is that I was not teaching, which then that while AD was busy Sunday morning, you know, doing the last minute things to get ready for the service, I had like an hour free. And I kind of knew I wasn't going to do any tasks, and so I settled down to do a good thing that a spiritual person of faith, a Christian, should do, which was to pray. So I settled down. We have a room in our house that has a gas fireplace. I turned it on. We call it the fireplace room. And I settle in to pray, which means spending 15 minutes first doing the spelling bee. It's a word jumble. And then I shift from that to the crossword puzzle. So I've got a half an hour now (laughs) to pray. And I know what praying is supposed to be like. It's supposed to be lovely. I am supposed to encounter the divine, feel the divine's love for me, and go away with sort of a rosy glow of goodness. And I have practices that I've employed across my life as a person of faith to make this happen, tools, specific approaches to prayer. I've developed a personal liturgy that takes me about two minutes to say. It focuses on Jesus, brings Jesus into my mind, gets my mind off myself and my troubles. I know, too, that if thoughts come, I'm supposed to let them flow down the river to God knows where, and then God will be there. Or I do gratitude. Oh, this is a lovely memory. Thank you. Oh, and there you are, Jesus. And we go forth swimmingly together. So I'm trying that, right? I'm sitting down, my half hour left, five minutes in, it just grinds to a halt. I just, I know, like I'm trying my things. And I know beyond knowing it's not going to work. I can just tell. I am not in a frame of mind to perceive God, to have good thoughts about Jesus, to to connect with the divine, to have it warm me on the insides, which means I just try harder, right? I just try harder to suppress the negativity, the the stuff that's in me that is opposed to this good experience. But at some point, like just a couple of minutes further, I just give up. Now, my impulse in that moment would be to say, this doesn't work, I am frustrated, and to go do something useful, right? To go shovel the driveway a little bit more. But instead, I just sit with it. And what I realize is it's not just that I'm, I'm struggling to produce the right outcome in this moment in my prayer practice, that you know, I'm, I'm at odds with what's going on, 
I realize, it sort of floods in on me, that I just have a general experience, whether it's lifelong or just worse in the past week, of being at odds with my own self. I am just so at odds with myself in so many different ways, and it's all flooding me in this moment. So, for example, on the other side of COVID and in my early 60s, there is more to me physically than I wish there was. All right? <laughs> and it all gathers right in the middle. <laughs> I have this thing called an outie, my belly button, that my grandchildren love. It's not my favorite physical feature of myself. And <laughs> the thing is, I know what to do. I should eat less and exercise more. The problem is I have a body that is at odds with me. I call myself a foodie, which is just a way of justifying eating whatever you want, right? It's just a label you affix to yourself. Oh, I can eat that because I'm a foodie, and I should try that too, and mm, that sounds good. So my body is saying to me, why are you denying me the things that I want? I also really don't like exercise. <laughs> Endorphins and adrenaline be... Mm. When I'm short of breath and sweating and struggling up one more flight of stairs, it is an unpleasant physical feeling. And so I am at odds with myself. I know the good that I should do, but I don't. And the very, so the very thing I shouldn't do is what I do, as evidenced by the fact that I threw away a full container of bread garden ice cream on Saturday night. It is awesome ice cream. This is not a product placement commercial. It's just really good ice cream. And I had, we had had friends over for dinner, and you have to serve dessert, and they have to be choices. So I got bread garden ice cream, two different kinds. Of course, we didn't eat very much, which meant that I ate half of it while I was playing a game online with one of my kids on Saturday. And so when I looked at it afterwards, I just went to the freezer and threw the rest away. Now, that is profoundly being at odds with yourself, right? But it wasn't just that. It's my behaviors. I will be defensive. I will be <laughs> arrogant. And I know I'm not supposed to be these things, but then I've also been acculturated as a heterosexual, white, male, oldest son, that everything I do is genuinely awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So, so when I think, well, but I'm not supposed to think that, but it's true, you know. I'm engaged in endeavors. I'm engaged in a writing endeavor, which also means wanting to produce some, something of artistic quality. And I know what I want to make, but what I actually do never gets there. I play basketball. <laughs> I know what I'm supposed to do on the court, but what my body does never gets there. And so I had this sense, and it wasn't just I realized as I'm in this half an hour, and I'm, I'm now kind of pouring this out to myself and to God. 
it's not just that I'm at odds with myself, I am weary of being at odds with myself. I am tired of it. It is hard. It is present with me all the time. It is a part of the human condition, right? That <laughs> You and I, we're always trying to be something we're not or not be something that we are. And you come to God, and God isn't happy with the bad parts, or so I think, and this is supposed to be a lovely prayer experience on this morning, and it's just not. So by the time I got to church on Sunday, I had been transformed, not because the bad was gone, but because God welcomes the totality of me into God's presence, and that was amazing. And I just want to share a little bit about that with you this morning, starting with some people from our faith tradition, from our Judeo-Christian faith tradition. First with Paul, the Apostle Paul. So he writes this letter to the Romans. It's his towering theological letter where he is working out a lot of antagonisms, like the law versus grace and sinfulness versus righteousness. And as he's in the thick of it, in chapter 7, before he gets to kind of the resolution for him of a lot of these problems, he produces this description that is of a person at odds with their own selves to an extreme. So listen to what Paul writes. While we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. If it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. I would have not known, for example, what it is to be envious if the law had said, you shall not envy. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of enviousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity in the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. Sin worked death in me through what is good. Okay, so here we get to the good part. <clears throat> For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold into slavery under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. It starts to sound a little bit like a Dr. Seuss rhyme. <laughs> now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that the good does not dwell within me, that is, in my flesh. For the desire to do the good lies close at hand, but not the ability. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. <laughs> now, if I do what I do not want, I can't, I'm sorry. 
if I do what I do not want, <laughs> it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self. And I want you to hear. In verse 18, he has said, I know that the good does not dwell within me, that is in my flesh. By verse 22, he's saying, I delight in the law of God in my inmost self. How is that possible? But I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched person that I am! Exclamation mark. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind, I am enslaved to the law of God, but with my flesh I am enslaved to the law of sin. Now some people, some theologians have, I don't know, they have this high view of Paul and they have thought that he's just kind of making up this statement of turmoil so as to get to how God resolves it through Jesus. But I don't know. He sounds pretty overwrought, both in what he's saying and even in how he says it. It is so circular. Like, my mind goes to, well, what was your struggle, Paul? What was in your mind as you were pouring yourself out, as you were saying, Oh, the thing I want to do, I don't. The, thing, the very thing I don't want to do, that's exactly what I do. What is the matter with me? You know, was it for you, Paul, a problem with anger? <laughs> he seems from his writings that could be possible. <laughs> he gets quite upset from time to time and recommends drastic action for certain kinds of thoughts and behaviors. Do you say things that you later wish you could have retracted? You know, I don't know. But I hear in him an awareness of this aspect of the human plight. Just, and he, he's looking within and he's trying to explain it. He's trying to come up with a way of conceptualizing the inner working of a human being that can explain this degree of us being at odds with our own selves. And he has certain thoughts and constructs that he brings to bear. You and I may have others that have come to us over time. But again, I hear it. I hear my own self. I hear the things I tick through. My struggle with my weight. My desire to be a better human being and the kinds of things that I wish I did do and which I didn't do. I hear his struggle, too, just to have faith, right? And we'll get to that more in just a minute. But I know that there are all sorts of ways that this maps on to the human condition. We are a place here that pays attention to gender and gender identity. And so, even if you clear away all the social, cultural prejudices and impositions, for those of us who, who embrace, for example, or who inhabit the trans identity, it still is the case that who you are is at odds with your own body, the body that you inhabit. And some of you will know 
people, and I certainly do in my line of work, where the at-oddsness becomes of a magnitude that a reasonable solution would be to end your life, to end your living, right? It is a real thing that exists in the realm of my, my humorous Audi and things that really affect our sense of well-being and our sense of identity. And I think that a beginning, at least that God offers to us through Jesus, that I experienced this past Sunday, is being real with it. That instead of trying to pretend that we are not at odds with ourselves, that there is a kind of relief and reality and helpfulness that comes with God's attentiveness, with God knowing the totality of our being. So I want to read to you one more, um, one more example of somebody's struggling with this, and specifically in the realm of connecting to God. So this is from the Old Testament, from the Psalms, where the psalmist is expressing their sense of being at odds with their inability to hope in God. Like, I should be hopeful. I should have a good experience. This should be helpful to me, but it's not working. And you will hear the psalmist trying all the things that we know to try to make it happen. So as you listen, I just invite you to find yourself. These were <laughs> written and preserved as liturgies for the adherents, for the faithful. And so this is for you and for me, for all of us. So listen as I read. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with the throngs and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, who I shall again praise, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the thunder of your torrents. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully? Because the enemy oppresses me. As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me continually, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise God, my help 
and my God. That's just a remarkable thought writing to be preserved in our holy text, right? Because it ends without resolution. The ending is, oh, I am not there in the place of hoping in you in the way that I think I should be, and nothing that I know to do, remembering great times from the past, when I went with multitudes, when I was on the lovely mountain, nothing is working. It's not producing the kind of connection or hopefulness that I think it should produce. And so, so I remember last Sunday morning, I just, I did my version of this kind of, you know, I wasn't channeling the psalmist like, ooh, the psalmist did that, I should too. I just, this is just what I did. It was just, God, I am so at odds with myself and I'm so frustrated and so weary with being at odds with myself, with the effort, with not doing what I want to do and with doing what I don't want to do in this domain, in this domain, in this domain. And I came to church, and I was in such a good headspace. It was just amazing. I had the sense of Jesus being, again, attentive to the totality of me. There's nothing that I was thinking or saying or doing that was surprising to God. You know, God is saying, yes, this is what it means to be human. And I don't fix it, right? I help you along, I guide you, I provide possibilities, but it's likely that you will continue to exist at odds with your own self going forward for a long time. And just that reality, just God being attentive to me, Jesus, Jesus who comes to one person after another, after another, after another, who are at odds with themselves, at odds with their world, at odds with culture, uncomfortable with it all, bringing relief, bringing freedom, bringing peace, bringing liberation, bringing a safe space for that to be reality. You see it just triggering liberation for one person after another, after another, after another. So that when I came last Sunday morning, I, don't, I was surprised. Like, <laughs> what just happened? That worked so much better than all of my lovely prayer practices. Just being honest about my inner reality, my current experience of life with the living God who is kind, lovely, attentive, and not surprised. So that's my invitation this morning. As the band comes to the stage for prayer, my invitation is just to take a moment and... If that feels like a, a part of your experience of life right now to bring that to God, just, oh God, it's true. I am at odds with myself in this way. I have been for a while. I'm tired of it. <laughs> and I just bring that to you. So let's pray together. God, I give you this moment. We give you this moment. acknowledging in this space that you know the totality of ourselves. You understand what it means to be a human being. And that your caring and knowing is powerful, is liberating.
So in this safe space, God, we bring ourselves to you in honesty. So just take a moment, and if there's something that you would bring to God, um, let that be a part of your Sunday morning right now. May we be a place, God, that reflects this, this practice of yours, that we would be this way towards each other and that this community would be welcoming in a knowing way towards the world, towards what it means to be human beings, what it means to be human communities. Thank you, God.